how old is Ryan Gosling in this scene? And how he's oh. 18 years later and he looks exactly the same. He was born in 1980. It, he's, I Which believe, would... in the beginning, he's 24. Right? Okay. Because 18 in... years after that is 2022. I'm guessing it's 2022. And that would make him 41, 42. So he's like 40. Exactly. Dude, you're so good at math. He's 42. Let me tell you something. At 29, <laughs> sometimes I get out of bed and my leg just hurts. Or I try and go for a walk for more than a mile and my back's thrown out the next day. My so neck has been hurting for guy. three days. <laughs> I can't look just I can't look as far as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just doing that. He's sleeping in like, he's sleeping like bunched up in trains. Like this man... <laughs> Must be in so much pain. He doesn't sleep either. Sleep he without my Tempur-Pedic pillow, without having a neck ache. What's up, Real Critics? It is Jose Garcia Chow here, as always, and you're listening to Everyone's a Real Critic. Here at EARC, John Wolf and I take a look at movies that have a 20% difference between the audience and the critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes, and we give you the Real Critics thoughts on the movies. That's us. We break down some of the critic and audience reviews, and we wrap it all up with the Real Ranking, but at the end of the day, remember, it doesn't really matter because everyone's a Real Critic. So, Let's get into it, John. My friend, my homie, my brother, my co-host. How you doing this wonderful morning? I'm doing great, man. It's still hot as hell outside. I don't know how it is for you, um, but that's perfect because it's still hot blockbuster summer, baby, and we're oh, still yeah. going at it. Big beefy boys catch up on all of our <laughs> episodes from this block, hot blockbuster summer wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow us. Leave us a nice review if you want. Leave us a bad bad review too um we'll just never talk to you again actually you can leave us a good or bad review and then we'll decide who had it right (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's right did you hear actually speaking of um big beefy boys the plot of of the last movie we watched the expendables kind of came to life top five beefy boy of all time in his prime sylvester stallone Throwing those haymakers one more time at Dolph Lundgren. You saw this? No. Oh, man. Well, for those that, that don't know, it's pretty funny. But <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, who is uh, literally squeezing every ounce of juice he can out of Rocky, out of Expendables, out of Rambo, literally any project he's worked on, is mad at Dolph Lundgren because Dolph and his, and his boys just are trying to make a, uh, a Creed spinoff. For Dolph Lundgren. Have you seen this? I, I, I think I saw a headline that was like, uh, he was like complaining about the studios like squeezing the juice out of his franchise or something. But no, he wasn't, he wasn't, it's not, he's not mad at studios for doing it for him. He's mad that Dolph didn't ask before he just made his own spinoff oh, of Rocky. Gotcha. And Creed. Yeah. So gotcha. it's fine. When Sylvester does it, but like, but also dude, like, studio. Dolph Lundgren, he can't carry a movie by himself. You know, he's not exactly Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, 
We don't know. Has he, he ever been in the movie where he's the lead? We, we, saw his, we saw his acting chops, dude. It's not great. Prayers out to Dolph and, uh, and, <laughs> and Sly. Hopefully they can, they can get their friendship back together. Mm-hmm. Because everyone wants to see an Expendable Seven. Let's just. I really honest. hope they make so. it over this hump. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, and you know, hopefully Sly also just takes his ass to the movies and realizes that uh, everyone's squeezing every ounce of juice out of every top of Maverick idea. Dude. Like that's that's showbiz, baby. But I can't wait to maybe get into a little bit of showbiz, uh, like you mentioned it, especially with our movie today. We're gonna be talking Ryan Gosling. Another beefy boy, top beefy boy. We're going to be talking about his new movie on Netflix. Uh, so go out and watch it for free or pay for Netflix now before they increase that price and give you ads. Uh, we're <laughs> going to be talking about The Gray Man. Got a 45% yeah. credit score and a huge 91% audience score. But before we get into this movie that could be as bad as Billy Bob Thornton's wig, let's pitch the people on what's really good or really bad out there. In our favorite segment, what you watching? What you watching? What you been watching? Oh, you oh, want me to go I first? I asked first. I asked first. Uh, yeah, you got me. You got me. All right, I'll go this week. I'm trying to uh, swat away a fly at the same time. Uh, I don't know how I got in here. Also, don't know if it's a fly or a mosquito, but uh, I'll try and concentrate. I'm trying to get my Mr. Miyagi cat. <laughs> catch it with Are they big flies in, in New York? Um, like, are they big, you know, flies? I don't know. I think it depends on on uh, how much trash they've eaten in a day. You know, it's sort of like the pigeons. You know, you got big pigeons, you got small pigeons. It all depends on how much garbage they're eating. Dude, um, there are uh, some big beefy flies here in Chicago. Like, I'm not used it's to hot boy summer. It's not like it's not like I don't know. In Florida, there's flies all year round, but they're skeeters. Yeah. You know, so yeah. like they're different. These guys are like. Big and round and fucking huge. Oh, juicy, huh? <laughs> yeah. You like give yeah. you give one of those a smack and you just hear a splat. You know? <laughs> yeah, and they leave behind like a paintball gun sized like ink splatter. Yeah. It's disgusting. I love that. Yeah. You know, people that probably love killing those flies are the people that like popping pimples and stuff. Just like Ew. those people. Um It's me. What about I've been I'm watching people. man? It, <laughs> You, uh, I've uh, I've actually been watching um, the news. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> You've been watching this Alex Jones trial. <laughs> yeah, man. How about that? What an idiot. Um, no, but it's crazy. Uh, we uh, we were talking about it over text the other day, but like uh, Discovery buying HBO Max. That's wild. I didn't even know Discovery had that much pool to buy hbo max um and then we saw like i think it was a merger right it was a merger you're right you're right that's that's a nicer way of putting it um but then it was like all of these original shows original content on hbo max that were supposed to come out um they're just not even going to to release and they're going to count it as a loss um 
so that they can kind of recoup costs. I know that they went through layoffs, which is crazy. And this is yeah. like maybe feeding more into our movie and more off of the the Sill Dolph gate that um, is going through. But um, man, it's crazy because HBO Max had like the best original, highest quality, I would say, original yeah. content in the game. And I feel like that is going to be no longer, I think, in order to recoup costs. Um, they're just going to make a lot more F-Boy Islands, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see, like, their uh, the graphic that they put of, like, the HBO universes? Like, their biggest brands, their biggest names. One of So it goes Wonder Woman, uh, nice. Batman, Superman, and then it says, like, Harry Potter, and then it goes the 90 Day Fiance Universe. <laughs> Oh no. Yeah, it's it's wild. I I mean this is we talk about it all the time and it's crazy because we never really dive too deep into the topic. We just kind of already understand that we live in a world where these studios just make insane decisions. You know, finance the most insane shit, just uh double down on existing properties instead of, you know, creating wholly original IP and and this is just another example of that. Like they completely scrapped Batgirl, a ninety million dollar movie, after already having filmed it, edited it, everything. The CG is done <laughs> for Batgirl. Yeah. They're just like, table it. Never gonna release it. Put Not it on the shelf. Yeah. Tax write off, baby. Yep. It's, it's crazy. Um, because at the same time that this is all happening, I felt, and it, it, this week I felt like, man there's really not much to watch right now. And then this happens. And I was mm-hmm. just like, man, it's gotta be part of a larger, uh, a larger issue that's going to be continuing to happen. But anyway, uh, I do want to pitch you on a show I've been watching and I think it's really good. It's, it's, it's me. not like really good, but it's really good. Um, it's okay. called Blackbird on Apple TV. Have you watched it? No. So uh, Apple TV Plus, it's surprising me. I'll say that. Um, I went in expecting a normal Apple TV show, um, you know, similar to how one might go into the Gray Man expecting a regular Netflix show. Uh, Very similar feelings, right? Like I felt low budget. I was like, oh, it's going to be low budget. There's not going to be any characters, no charisma, thin plot, like, you know, high profile actor, which there is. And uh, just overall mediocre. Wasn't expecting much from it. Um, and <laughs> okay. I have like... But see, and then ad- you're still willing, John, to just dive right I in. I it a shot. Just someone told me about it. And, you know, I was like, hey, I don't want to disappoint you. So I will give this a shot. I have nothing else I'm doing or watching, really. Um, so I, th- oh I have my two episodes left in the whole show. And let me tell you. The breakout, breakout star of the show is not Taryn Egerton, who we might recognize from, uh, you know, we talked about the Kingsman. He's, uh, yeah, he wasn't in that one, though. He wasn't in that one, but he's been in the other ones, which are a yeah, lot yeah. better. Um, the breakout <laughs> star actually was uh, this guy, Paul Walter Hauser, who plays a serial killer, Larry Hall. And oh, I dude. was surprised. I know who this guy of, is. Yeah, he's the dude from Cruella. No, he's from I Think You Should Leave. Is he also in that? Because he's also in Cruella <laughs> as one of the goofy henchmen with a, like, I did, a I did not watch Cru- Cruella. 
I did not watch Cruella. Mm-hmm. You should. Um, should I? But he I wasn't interested. Really? It's good. Um, uh, so he does, are like, you telling me that Paul Walter Hauser is in this and he doesn't just complain about how Jamie Taco is stealing his lines? You're right. That is the same guy. Yeah. The one no, who doesn't dude, want to talk shit about his not, wife. He's not funny at all in this movie. He's actually like bone-chillingly terrifying. Like Hell he is yes. a creepy. He's a creepy ass dude. And so the concept of this show is that Taron Egerton, his name's Jimmy uh, Taco. I, <laughs> Jimmy Taco. No, but this is like based on a. I, I don't know how true you know, like or how based it is, but it's inspired by a by true events. So that's probably less than based on true events. Um, where this guy Taron. He's like a charming uh, drug dealer, arms dealer, ends up going to jail. And the CIA or the FBI, the feds are like, hey, we want you uh, to get a confession out of this guy who we think is a serial killer named Larry Hall. So we're going to put you in prison with him. We need you to make friends with him. And we need you to get a confession from him while you're in the prison with him. And that's sort of the concept of the show. And, um, you know, wow. there are other things. They build up the characters a little bit so you can get, like, some foundation on them. And it is, it's pretty crazy, I like that. man. Like, this I dude, already like that. This dude's crazy. Yeah, I would check it out. Apple TV Plus. See, and you know what I, just just from what you described, like, I'm imagining our protagonist in this case is already, like, a morally ambiguous character. Like, he's a criminal. Yes. You know? Yeah. So he's his ethics are probably different than the regular person's, you know? But also, he's dealing with, like, a fucking serial killer, which is so removed, probably, from where he is as a criminal, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm right. interested. I'm interested. Right. And then there's, like, the whole, to be, a, I think, a criminal of that capacity, serial killer or big arms dealer, big drug dealer. Like, yeah, exactly. Jose is, like, waving his finger around his ear to, to exhibit craziness. And that's sort of what these characters kind of show. Right, but but which probably means that you have something in common as well. Like you have your upbringing, or you hit something in the road that oh, fork dude. in the road both led you somewhere. So it is. It's a good show. I would check it out. I'm gonna check that out because, like you, John, I don't have anything to watch right now. <laughs> I have nothing to watch. You know, uh, we're in the middle of. Um, the releases of it's a weird, new MCU right? show, you know, they always give you like a month in between them now. And normally yeah. that is what I watch because fuck it. I'm an MCU. I just, they got me, you know, yeah. I got to watch them. Uh, at this point, it feels like homework sometimes. And just like homework, you finish them and you feel like no sense of satisfaction sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know. Um, but yeah, there was so, that one homework assignment we talked about a long time ago when we were in uh, forensics class. In high school. <laughs> I you knew really, you were. I knew you really, you really enjoyed going into the bathrooms and pulling pubes off the toilet. That wasn't me. That was the teacher. Oh, oh right. <laughs> she did. It. She did the homework for you. She she did it, and she made sure everybody knew. She was like, "Guys, I did this for you." <laughs> She's like. <coughs> You can never claim that I don't give a fuck about my job. I picked these pubes <laughs> off the toilet 
for you. What a strange angle for running teacher of the year, you know, like trying to get elected teacher of the year. That she is got my an vote. angle for sure. Yeah. <laughs> she got my vote. <laughs> so I, I've know. actually, uh, you know, speaking of the Max originals as well, I am finishing Made for Love on HBO. Mm. I kind of dropped off of it like around episode five. Um, but I picked it back up a few nights ago and it just made me, it, it's, it's so good. Did I already talk about this show on the podcast? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I can't remember. I don't think so. But if you haven't seen Made for Love, um, the basic premise is that it's about a woman who is running away from a marriage, literally running away from a marriage on her two feet, uh, after the past 10, after 10 years. And it's like, I don't know, Kristen Miliati has like found her niche in like these science fiction comedy dramas, you know, and it's this is just another really good example of her in one of those because it's it's basically like the sci-fi-ness comes from the fact that she's married to that universe's quote unquote Elon Musk, but Mm. That universe is Elon Musk actually accomplishes whatever he fucking talks about. So he's like this super rich, (laughs) super rich tech guy who has implanted a chip in her brain that shares everything that she sees and hears and like her heartbeat, like all of her data with him. And uh, it's part of like his new venture called Made for Love in which two people can connect their brains, you know. Um, but she obviously finds it insane. So she runs away. And, uh, as a result, the show is, you know, really smart. It's funny. And it has something to say about like women and their empowerment and equity and equality. So I highly recommend watching it, especially before Warner Brothers Discovery pulls this out of their catalog since they already canceled it. Yeah. Wow. They pulled a Netflix, huh? They already canceled it, and there's only wow. two seasons. They're 25-minute episodes. They're so good. Um, easy to watch, like, in the morning, you know, like, while you're making your breakfast and stuff. Sure. It's funny Who doesn't love, it. like, a little uh, weird sci-fi? <laughs> oh, a little, a little, yeah, sci-fi commentary on misogyny with their buttered yeah. toast. That's how I like to wake up in the morning. <laughs> well, you know, John, that's how I wake up in the morning because I live in the real world. Oh shit! <laughs> I usually um, <laughs> don't do that in the morning. I usually what do you watch? a liter of coffee in the morning. Uh-huh. The the birds, the sky, <laughs> the clouds. Um, I soak in. Wow, high road the real world. <laughs> and then I watch it. Wow. <laughs> I've been high roaded. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, the birds, the sun, yeah. my wife. <laughs> Fucking nature, dude. Heard of it. <laughs> uh, I wanted you watch to talk about else after saying you you don't want shit. Uh, yeah, I I watched um okay. The Nice Guys right after watching The Gray Man earlier this week. And I, I'll probably talk about this more during uh as we get into movie talk and stuff because um i was left with like this feeling after watching the gray man 
that just uh, it made me want to watch The Nice Guys. You know, Ryan Gosling's characters are very similar in their like, I don't know, demeanor. Um, and I just got to say, like, holy shit, The Nice Guys is without a doubt one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so good. It has everything that the gray man wishes it had. And I'll talk about it more in the episode because I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, well, then uh, how about we just get into it, man? Let's get into it. Let's, let's get, get into, into the movie. movie talk. Yeah. Let's uh, let's strap on <laughs> our bright red suits. What are we strapping on? <laughs> our bright red CI. It's just what they tell us to wear, John. You know, it's that kind of yeah. a party. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the gray area with the gray man. Oof. When that beat drops, it makes me want to dance. You know, you just your, your dance move? What's your dance yeah, move yeah. to this song? My go to dance move, you wanna see it? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, to this? Wow. Yeah. Not this part, the part when the beat drops. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember uh, when we went to the, you know, shout out Neon Nightclub for these uh, amazing tracks that we use in yes. the podcast. I remember when we went to a, um, yeah, nightclub concert. Oh, in, we were in high school. We were kids. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, back when we were kids. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember doing a lot of dancing, but uh, I, wish I, I think did. I was too insecure to dance back then. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have given. I probably would have given. You know, like a little bit of. Yeah. It doesn't even though that doesn't, just, that like, doesn't really work to there. Maybe some of. Maybe some of the handshakes. You know, like the double shaking. <laughs> I like that, or like the uh, the shake weights. Oh, the, oh, like just a single shake weight. So you've thrown one now on the ground from this to. Do you use going... two? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not. I'm hope, not hope our nobody former, gets this video. <laughs> I'm not our former president. I don't put them at, at my mouth. It's mostly like on the chest. You know, I like oh. keep it close to the chest a little bit, like that. You know, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Some people might think I'm having some kind of breakdown, but it's really a dance move. Um. All right, so we kind of mentioned incorporate it. that one. Yeah, you should. You should. So for those of us listening right now, um, you didn't see any of that because this is an audio medium for you. Um, <laughs> so we encourage you maybe go onto our social channels and just see our our pathetic our attempt dance at dance moves. moves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and while you're on the social media, follow us at, at EARCPod or at Loser at John B. Wolf. Uh, we would love to do that. And if you love these tracks, Neon Nightclub, baby, go listen. Um, yeah, so the movie, The Gray Man. Uh, we just released it. a new record. He did, Neon Nightclub, not The Gray Man. Um, so The Gray Man. The the concept, I think we sort of went over it. You mentioned it while teasing this. Uh, you know, a guy that lives in a gray area and does CIA shit. That's that's the uh, the basic premise of it but for those that didn't know 
this uh, came out in theaters for a week. I think it's select theaters that Netflix owned. It was like around 400, 450 they uh, theaters. The they either own or like have a stake in specific theaters. There's one theater here in, in New York uh, or in the Manhattan area. It's like the Paris theater or something. Like that's the really? only theater you can go to watch it. I think, and and then maybe like some other theaters that they have deal with deals with or like have some kind of stake in. Um, but I think the the reason this movie got a lot of of pub when it was coming out uh, is because it's done by the Rousseau brothers, who a lot of people know from uh, all of their work in the MCU and making great MCU movies. Um, I think it also got a lot of pub because it's Netflix's sort of first foray into big blockbuster action. They've had action movies in the past, like Extraction, um, that really bad Will Smith in the Aliens one. Uh, is that like the blind spot or the blind part or something? You know what I'm talking about? It was like right, a long the bright, time ago. Bright thing. The bright like, spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Bright spot or something like that? Yeah. So the Russo said one. that? Uh, Netflix, not the Russo Brothers. Oh, okay. But this is like Netflix is like, hey, we're here to make a statement in action. We're getting in the game. Uh, you know, they poured in two hundred million dollars to this movie. The Wild. Chris Evans, uh, Ryan Gosling, Anna Darman—they like all went on tour, like a world tour, doing press, doing publicity. There's billboards everywhere. Like this is this is new. It feels like for Netflix and trying it's to get big. awareness, trying to get eyes on it, um, trying to get publicity for it. And it was number one on Netflix for. A week. All of that work, one week. Um, how do they make their money, dude? I don't understand how they make money back after pouring two hundred million dollars into a stream, a movie that's clearly going to fall into just their streaming service. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a another question for how streaming services kind of have their their business model right of how they're they're getting money right because it's not like a it's a subscription service so it's a pretty like you can only get so many people right um well that's not how capitalism works john like we need to show that we're getting new subscribers every single month or our business is failing you know yeah exactly which is why soon coming to netflix Mm-hmm. It is. It could be reported, or there are rumors out there that there may be a new tier of service that includes ads, um, and then we'll have the, the ad-free version probably of Netflix as well. Um, it's just interesting that to me that the Russo brothers uh, were cast in this movie um, because they did a great job, I think, with uh, MCU, the Captain America, the Avengers movies. Um, and then kind of right after that, I don't know if a lot of people remember the movie Cherry that they did with yeah, uh, Tom, Tom Holland. Holland. Kind of kind of sucked. Wasn't great. Again, a lot of potential, nothing there. But because they're the Russo brothers, they can afford to kind of make a mistake once they've made the Avengers and, yeah. and they can come back in this and, and make this. What I think is interesting about the Marvel movies that they were associated with is that there was already a lot of the work in building the characters by the time exactly. they got them. So there wasn't, they didn't have 
have to worry too much about building up the characters. They could focus on the action um, and the big sequences, the things that people want to go see in a movie theater. Um, where in this movie, like, it's brand new to a lot of people. If you didn't read the books um, that th this movie is based on, then you really have no background information as to what's happening. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how that can go. And I know, and I read a few Russo brothers when they were interviewed about this movie, um, they were pretty flat out and direct and saying like, hey, we're, we're not really here to make a movie. We're here to make money for Netflix. Wild. Um, and so it's, it, we, you know, we talked about streaming services kind of folding and merging. We talked about um, Sylvester Stallone's hypocrisy and like getting mad well, that someone else wants to squeeze juice and that's just sort of the direction hollywood's moving and we've talked well, about it a little bit but. we i think we we forget or maybe we you know knowingly um avoid thinking about the fact that like this is at the end of the day a business it's not right. just art uh which sucks because um this is a business whose product is art you know so i think that's also what makes it so difficult to or, or maybe such a gamble for these studios to throw money at stuff like this but it's when they do wild shit like give this movie 200 million dollars you know and um avoid giving like you can make probably like five independent movies out of this one budget you probably make your money back as well at least on a couple of them. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It, it's just, yeah, I feel like we, we do have to always keep in mind that for a lot of these studios, like this is a business first and this movie yep. feels like it, this was a business decision. <laughs> We're going to hire these guys who are the most, um, the highest grossing directors of all time. We're going to hire, um, and we're going to hire, what's, what are their names? Uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, who are the highest grossing screenwriters of our time because they wrote a bunch of the MCU movies, right? But mm -hmm. I think you make a good point when you say you have to keep in mind that in those movies, the characters that they were using were already uh, developed. On you screen, know? right. On screen. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. in those movies. You know, it was in the past, which is something that doesn't that it's you know hasn't really existed prior to our generation of film, um, and it, it lets them kind of get away in the Avengers with not spending a lot of time on each character, and instead writing them to be, you know, to just say in character witticisms, jokes, and then when you look at a movie like The Gray Man, when it's written almost exactly like one of those movies would be it falls flat because we don't know who sierra six is and we don't know who lloyd is this is our first introduction of these characters so when they're already trading jabs without giving us any of their backstory it just falls flat it feels forced um well even though let's say let's say the uh the film the film critiques for a little bit later, but um, yeah, yeah, good yeah, I totally agree with you that, <laughs> you know, it takes, it takes a little bit to get into it. And it's interesting that you mentioned like the, the Russo brothers are already like in a business themselves. They're already announced to lead um, 
the next Extraction movie, the sequel to the Chris Hemsworth Extraction movie. Which they and produced. Steve, like, which they produced and Chris Hemsworth. Um, and then they already are working through another very expensive sci-fi action movie called The Electric State, which will have Millie Bobby Brown and Chris Pratt. So, like, their formula is there, right? Like, MCU actor, big name. It doesn't matter MCU actor or not. Big name. Yeah. Big sort of a lot of money poured in. Ex- an extraction similar to this one. Beautiful sets, beautiful scenery. But, like, are they going to be able... This is something that, you know, any business or like CEO, like I, I look at the Russo yeah. brothers, they're almost like the CEO of these movies, right? Like yeah, they're I mean, they are. They're the sure executive the producers, they're the directors, right. you know? Um, and I think you're right. They have a formula and they've proven to the studios that this formula works. You know, like this is my business plan. It's It's been proven to work and it includes big budget, big name actors, right? Big budgets. Uh, it includes like world trotting for no reason, action adventure movies, you know, that don't really carry a lot of depth, but are fun to look at. And um, it's unfortunate because I think that movies could be so much more, especially with with these budgets. Like this could have been a really good movie uh, if we had just spent maybe a little bit more time with six, you know, like six sure. character and not six the agent just like running around (laughs) yeah and so like sometimes when you're the when you're leading these movies and you have your formula something like one formula doesn't always work for every situation and so i think a lot of the times Mm -hmm. uh you know you might make a movie like an avengers where you have a really great cast that's very charismatic and their energy can overcome some of the mistakes that are there maybe um, if it's writing, if it's dialogue, if it's story, if it's narrative, if it's the CGI or not enough money in special effects, it can overcome that. And sometimes when you try and replicate that in an entirely new situation, which could, you could say is the gray man, it doesn't work out the same because you don't, maybe the cast isn't meshing together like you thought they would, or maybe your screenwriters are used to writing different types of movies just because you're familiar with people and they do a really good job doesn't mean they're going to do a really good job on a specific project that you're trying to do here. That's business, and I think that's baby. sort of, yeah, maybe that's, that's sort of what we ran into. And I'm hoping um, that with Extraction 2 and, and Electric State, the Russo brothers can like, because they are extremely talented. There's no doubt about it. And for what it's worth, there is but a silver hopefully lining. Hopefully they can hire the right people. There is a silver lining here in that... Um, the Russo brothers did also produce, they produce good projects. They produced everything everywhere all at yeah. once. Yeah. You know, they, they so, have an eye for, they do know talent. Um, mm-hmm. Being in a producer role different, a little bit. <laughs> to kick a cat. My bad. <laughs> being a little bit different than uh, being in the executive producer role. But, um, you know, hopefully in their next endeavors, they can hire the right types of people that can make the that can help stretch this 200 million dollars and make a better all-around movie so with that i know that we sort of got into our thoughts on the movie and everything what before we kind of get into the real rundown here when you turn this movie on for the first time you know this week last week what were you thinking going into it all right well um 
So my first thoughts for this, unfortunately, were like tainted by film Twitter. Um, so I'd seen like these screen grabs of Ana de Armas in like bleary gray settings where you could barely see her. And like the tweet was that like, imagine casting Ana de Armas and filming her like this, you know, like where you could barely see her. So I was already thinking like, I, I know the Russos and they do for some reason like to keep this like black like gray tone blue tone through their movies so i was thinking like oh this movie might look like shit but i'm not a stickler i'm not some like anti mcu anti russo brothers film twitter bro i still love bad movies and i still love like action movies and bad action movies too so i was trying to be optimistic and thinking like this might be so bad that it's fun you know but I wasn't going to, you wouldn't catch me trying to go to one of those 400 Netflix movie theaters to go see this. Like, I, I watched the trailer and I watched the scene of Ryan Gosling quipping at a mustachioed Chris Evans. So I knew that this wasn't going to be, you know, like, quality filmmaking. I knew that this was going to be a cash grab action blockbuster. And, yeah. and that kind of filmmaking, which I feel like that term is a little bit too indulgent for a film like this because it doesn't feel like filmmaking it feels like film business <laughs> uh so it it, it was so I, I that's how i felt i was a little conflicted i was like okay here we go let's see what this is like i'm optimistic that it like i like ryan gosling and i like chris evans and i like anna de armas maybe they will be enough to carry this just like in the expendables you know so i was optimistic we'll see you i was like let's see how this goes <laughs> yeah, I remember also being, you know, a little a little optimistic, right? Like, why would a company get so behind something if it was terrible? So I I was like, all right, this is it. This is their big, this is Netflix's big move into Blockbuster. So I logged into Netflix and the first thing I saw, like, again, $200 million. This is it. We're going to make our stamp on action movies action blockbusters netflix i log in the first thing i see a banner for virgin river i was like all right well you know maybe there's a new episode or you know like whatever there's got to be something for the great i don't even know what i that scroll is. down i scroll down to trending now it's not there okay you know maybe maybe there's a gray man section like Maybe, you know, like how there's the, at Disney Plus, there's like Marvel, uh, Star Wars, you know, you get it. So I was like, all right. So I scroll down a little bit further. Top picks for me. Number one. Hell yeah. It's got to be go. right. It's got to be. Your algorithm is like, you're going to love The algorithm new. Here's, here's a hand delivered gift for you. Okay. Um, and before like you click play, the picture in the movie is just a it's a picture of like Ryan Gosling holding a huge ass gun with a toothpick <laughs> in his mouth, and he had a toothpick in his mouth, and I was like, "Hell yeah, this is this is this can't be bad, right?" Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the real run now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's get into the movie. All right. So in a Florida wait. Should State. I read it? Do you want to read it? I'll I haven't read it. read it in a while. 
All right, if you want to go for it. You wrote it, it, right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. In a Florida state prison, currently a convicted felon, Ryan Gosling, is pitched to join the CIA Sierra program by Fitz, played by Billy Bob Thornton. With seemingly little to no previous experience that we know of, the newest recruit, Sierra Six, and Danny, played by Ana de Armas, go on a mission in Bangkok to take out a target that looks like Matthew McConaughey's ugly stepbrother's stunt double. Upon uh, killing the target, Sierra Six learns that the target was also a part of the Sierra unit and is there. And there is dirty work coming from the top, boy. Right before dying, Sierra Four hands over a locket to Sierra Six that contains crucial information that Carmichael, played by Reggie John Page, head of the CEA, is dirty and has to be stopped. Six escapes Bangkok and gives his buddy Fitz a call for an extraction. Carmichael feels that the walls are closing in on him, so he calls an old friend and absolute loose cannon, Lloyd, played by Chris Evans, to put a stop to Sierra Six by any means necessary. <laughs> Lloyd catches up with Fitz at a funeral, asking him where Six is. Fitz claims to have no clue, but when Lloyd threatens Fitz with the fact that his niece has already been kidnapped by some of his henchmen, Fitz's memory gets a little clearer. Oh yeah, he's on the cargo plane that I set up for him. Lloyd calls the crew on the cargo plane to take down Six when one of the wildest in-air action scenes commences. Somehow, a fight between Six and the henchman ends up with the entire plane in a fireball plummeting towards the earth. Six is able to make it out alive, of course, by squirrel gliding midair. He, like, jumps onto a guy that has a parachute, murders him, and then we cut away. <laughs> and he's just sitting, he's, he's answering the, he's calling Fitz safely on a cliff ledge. Uh, so we have to assume that he was fine because we don't see it. And uh, then Fitz and Six are talking and he learns that Fitz's needs has been taken by Lloyd. Uh, we get a little flashback memory of Six uh, and Fitz's niece, you know, where we do a little bit of emotional bonding. Um, during the hardcore assignment of babysitting Fitz's niece, Claire, we learn that Six isn't just a robot killing machine, but he also has a soft spot. Somehow... During the weekend, a couple of bad guys get in the house, and Claire sees that Six is actually a protector, not a killer. Um, during the pro- during the protection from the bad guys, Claire's pacemaker has a little blip, and so Six has to take her to the hospital. He stays by her side, making sure that she recovers, and then we return back to the present, where Six tries to get more information about the flash drive um, that he's already seen the contents of. So then he gets captured in a trap door while posing for passport photos. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Thankfully, his skills as a felon turned CIA agent, uh, including the school, included the school of MacGyver. So as the henchman Lloyd and Lloyd come for him, he literally has already like filled the well with water, blows his way out of the situation. Perfect timing. And then he meets up with Danny and they head to a vet to stock up on meds. After that, we learn that the Gray Man program involves convicts turned CIA agents who play in the gray space of the law, which we already knew. Uh, Carmichael is trying to wipe out the program because they know too much about him, using agents for his own personal errands and killings. Six uses the tracking on Claire's pacemaker, which, by the way, is so convenient. They know where she is at all times, to find the location of her and Fitz. As Six and Danny head to that location, Lloyd dispatches his most dangerous henchman, Danush, played by Avik San, who's a badass, uh, 
They battle their way to the location of the compound. Danush is able to steal the flash drive from them, absolutely kicks their asses, and delivers it back to Lloyd. Six and Danny then get to the compound and just head blow it to pieces, getting Fitz and Claire back. Literally, while everything is blowing up, including Fitz, who blows himself up to stop the baddies right in front of his niece. It's got to be the most traumatic thing in the world, um, which he did not really have to do. Six and Lloyd end up in a very anticlimactic scene, uh, one-on-one fighting each other on a fountain where it looks like they filmed the, the, the theme song to Friends. Um, and he's eventually able to stop Lloyd from making any more dumb puns because Lloyd is dead. Uh, also, he gets stabbed like 30 times in the process. And he's fine. Two weeks later, the CIA is being debriefed on the biggest fuck-up in CIA history. I'm talking public shootings in the middle of like the netherlands it's insanity just murders just blue lives did not matter in this movie um carmichael though is exonerated we don't really know why for his crimes and uh actually no carmichael doesn't carmichael yeah no carmichael lives and he's exonerated for his crimes and sierra six and claire escape into the setup of their next movie (laughs) Yeah. What's crazy, let's get into it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, in the beginning. This, so this is why I should not do the real rundowns. I, 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 I start thinking about the movie. I fall into tangents. It's all good. You, you can, hey, you can like, from, from, the, from the beginning, though, like, um, you know, we're setting up the plot, right? Like, this, this felon sure. is ready to be a CIA agent. Right, sure. His rap sheet seemed pretty small. It was only like two crimes. Um, I think I think they kind of assume they kind of made it sound like he killed one guy for a good reason. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Didn't it sound like that to yeah. you? Like Fitz was like, uh, "I know why you did it. I would have done the same thing." And well, see, here's shoes. my problem. In that opening sequence, I didn't really hear anything that was being discussed because I was so <laughs> laser focused on how bad Billy Bob Thornton's wig looked like it's so bad it looked like the glue was coming off of the side yeah it was terrible you know what it looked like to me it looked like halle berry's wig in x-men one where it's just like clearly that thing is sitting on top of your head and not coming out of it well the 200 million maybe they forgot to budget the skull caps for it so it's it so i'm glad you brought that up because i was watching this movie as as was I, and most people are two hundred million dollars. I was yeah. like, "Where is the money?" <laughs> well, I think so. I think the money comes in later, which is a good question. So we get the setup right uh, for this plot immediately. I'm in. I'm like felon, sure CIA agent now. Okay, no training, perfect. <laughs> Throw I- him into Bangkok. Um, and I think this is where the money starts coming in because that Bangkok scene right off the bat, That's we get true. The fireworks. Um, yeah. There's fireworks everywhere. There's like he has thirty like extras, huge ass gun, fifty extras, there's extras yeah. everywhere. Right. Uh-huh. So that's that's where the the budget comes in and the action sequences, like when he's in there with the gun. First of all, kids fuck everything up, right? Like, what the hell was up with that? Like he's got this oh, huge God, like heat seeking even, oh gun that conveniently goes through multiple floors to the floor that he needs, and then the the Matthew Ghana is ugly 
twins stunt double like grabs a kid to make the deal with the locket or whatever um that's wild fun. yeah so uh, so yeah you're right the money clearly went to those sequences and also that plane sequence because it was like entirely cg they didn't actually jump out of yeah. the plane um what <laughs> it's not top it's not tom cruise tom cruise will <laughs> jump out of a plane but yeah. ryan gosling they got a cg it um it clearly went to that stuff and not the script because the script is bogus. Three yeah, minutes right in, I'm already like, this dialogue is shit. It's so it bad. Billy Bob Thornton literally goes, let me cut to the chase. And it's like, we just got here, bro. <laughs> like, you, can just, you can just talk. I'm listening. It's the beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah, set us up a little bit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... You are cutting to the chase. You don't. I was yeah. like, who did nobody read this? Cut that fucking line out. You don't even need that. I'm just gonna cut to the stage. Let me just talk brass tacks here, okay, kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, Let I'm already doing math because it's like present day, and then it goes 18 years. It's it's 2003 or something. I don't even know. And then it goes 18 years later, and I'm like, wait a minute. Born ni- born in 1980. So I'm like, okay, wait. How old is Ryan Gosling in this scene? And how he's oh. 18 years later and he looks exactly the same? He was born in 1980? It, he's, I Which believe, would... in the beginning, he's 24. Right? Okay. Because 18 in... years after that is 2022. I'm guessing it's 2022. And that would make him 41 or 42. So he's like 40. Exact. Dude, you're so good at math. He's 42. Let me tell you something. At 29. <laughs> Sometimes I get out of bed and my leg just hurts or I try and go for a walk for more than a mile and my back's thrown out the next day. My so neck has been hurting for guy. three days. <laughs> I can't look just I can't look as far as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> he's 42 years old and he's jumping off buildings. I had the other day and had diarrhea for three days straight. And you're yeah. telling me this guy at 42... Maybe I should have more Metamucil or something. But this guy at 40 yeah. is doing this? No way. He's not just doing that. He's sleeping in like, he's sleeping like bunched up in trains. Like this man must be in so much pain. He doesn't sleep either. I can't sleep even either. sleep he without my naps. Tempur-Pedic pillow without having a neck ache. <laughs> so he's 42 years old, 18 years on the job, you know. I thought, by the way, that... Billy Bob Thornton in the beginning had the wig because yeah. 18 years later he'd be balding. No, but no, he just has, he just has, he has the wig more the whole time. And luscious white hair. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, 18 years later, so now they're going to take the wig off so he looks older. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> he looks Not at all. <laughs> he cut his meth habit so his hair grew back. Yeah. Um, so right off the bat, right? Like the plot, like the, the dialogue is bad. The plot is okay that we're getting to. And then we get into the the first action sequence, which is pretty sick. The fight, I liked it. like inside of like the firework mortar area, that was pretty sweet. Well, I liked the idea, but there are so many cuts. <laughs> There's so many yeah. cuts in that fucking scene. Like they okay. keep cutting away. I'm like, even when they're talking to each other, I'm like, why can't we just have a wide shot of you fuckers just looking at each other for, you know, like, gravitas? Instead, it, like, 
it keeps cutting, and I'm like, I right, this would be so much better if I could see what was happening. There's even Do you a think shot it's because they're not where, both in the scene. I don't know. I think that it's like I think it's one of those things that you have to hide that your actors don't know how to fight. You know, it's not like Jackie Chan where he would he would stand there and he would do the same shot for like two days straight until they got it. You know, it's like they don't have the money to do that here. They they choose to spend it on him jumping off a plane. The um, CG. Yeah, the CG. But it like cuts to an overhead of the, of the fireworks and because they are fireworks, there's just smoke everywhere. So you can't even see the guys <laughs> like fighting each other. I I, I don't. I, I don't there know. was a I lot of my sister, I was like, I like the idea of them fighting like in this little area, but it looks like shit. Oh, I thought it was kind of cool. I thought that first sequence was pretty cool, but there is a lot of smoke everywhere. I will say. I mean, don't and get me then, wrong. Like he grabs the guy's head and he puts it over the the firework hole. That was sweet, right? And that was sweet. Yeah, that was cool. Um. The fact that it's two agents fighting each other was cool. You know, like there yeah. are things that I like in the scene. Um, when he's like, when he decides not to kill the kid and instead just like starts taking those guys out with like found knives <laughs> that are just on the ballroom floor. He just grabs them, just stabs yeah. the guy, the guy falls like silently. You know, like I liked that stuff. Um, also, the intro goes unnecessarily hard. Yeah, it reminded me. It also looked really cheap, the title. I loved it. I really liked it. It reminded me of Cliffhanger from the 80s. It's just like them sitting there, and then they turn into like a noir drawing. Yeah. And then it like cuts to the gray man. But then the words kind of, the letters start to fade away, and it says for a second, for a split second, it says gay man. (laughs) Well, he's not. Um,. Yeah, and boy, wouldn't that have been a more interesting title, right? And, and uh, what and a development concept. in the movie if he turned out to be yeah. gay. I mean, it doesn't really have. They'd be like, to "What kind of a relationship do him and Fitz have?" And they're like, "Let's just say that it was a uh, intimate one." <laughs> that would, I mean, that would at least tie something together as to why that they became friends. Like, I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand yeah. about this movie. They say it's like a father's uh, father daughter thing, father son thing, son thing maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned the dialogue being super super direct early on. I also found in these fight scenes, like the firework one, there's a lot of these quips, or they're trying to um, have dialogue during the fight, right? And it's it's just it's super choppy, but at the yeah. same time super direct. There's no nuance. There's no making you guess. It's I'm a form. It literally is like yeah. I'm a former agent. That guy is dirty. That's Here's it. his thumb drive. Yes. And it, it and it's sort of like when he hands over the thumb drive. First of all, you could tell that these books were definitely written when thumb drives were like hard to, you know, like I don't know. They were they were a lot cooler than they are now because it's like it's a micro a SD card in the movie. Yeah, yeah. They tried to make it really cool, but it wasn't that. They cool. put it in like a medallion, um, like <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Yeah, I guess it, was it has not to look, that cool. Yeah, it's a it's a spy again two hundred million dollars something. That's true. Yeah. Spy movie maybe, but um yeah, and then and then he like gets it and gets out of there or like 
leaves on his own. I, I, for some reason, remember him knowing the contents or maybe just the fact that he knows that this guy's dirty. What's the point of the contents on the flash drive, like proving that he's dirty? I don't know. I feel like there are other ways to prove that someone's dirty other than a flash drive. Well, that's the thing. It's like the whole, the movie isn't doing, um, it doesn't seem that important. Well, what it's doing is it's telling us, not showing us like in every scene it cuts to after this, like, uh, obviously Ana de Armas's character is like looking for the thing on, on Sierra four's body and can't find it. And she's telling, uh, bad guy, Denny Carmichael, like, Hey, it's not here. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> he, like, throws the... Yeah. <laughs> like his whole character is just your bad government guy. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Um, who hates. Women. And then again, yes. it's all said through dialogue, you know, like his, his not, not saving the cat moment, you know, like his moment where we realize he's a bad guy is literally him telling him like, kill the kid. It's not him. We're not shown why he's a bad guy. You know, it's all through him. You know, he like takes a piss or something or he's taking a shit. And Jessica Henwick walks into the men's room and is like, oh, uh, it's not on him. And it's like, God damn it. Sierra six has it. And he like walks to the sink. He doesn't even wash his hands. Do you remember this scene? (laughs) But the whole time he's just talking bad. He's like talking like a bad guy. And, uh, that's the problem with this movie. Those guys, those characters don't do anything but just talk to each other. <laughs> they tell us how they're feeling. They're not showing us why they and are. They, and they're all different. It seems like they're all different characters from different movies that have been transported into one movie. None of them are, are like really interacting with each other. Because early on, yeah. to your point, like we don't know what six and carmichael like what is like what's going on there we don't know why six and fits like why did he pick him out of jail we don't know why when we eventually get to lloyd here calling up lloyd who is a hyper exaggeration of a bad a quippy bad guy who's wearing Mm -hmm. like he looks like the dude (laughs) he looks like a natty light bro essentially he's that dude yeah he looks like a frat bro Mm mm-hmm he wears loafers, but is a super spy. His chinos are way too tight. His shirt so is way tight too tight. So tight and so short. Um, yeah. But we also get, you know, like, our introduction to that character is Jessica Henwick being like, he's sociopathic. And then it cuts to Danny. <laughs> right. and he's like, but yeah. I don't care. He's effective. And then it cuts to her again. She's like, he's a sociopath. He, she says it yeah. twice. And then we cut to him and then we're like, and then we're seeing him being, quote unquote, a sociopath just because he's got also like Liars. he's torturing a guy by putting the the electric nodes like on his face. Yeah. Like that's new. Why did you just go all in if he's a sociopath? Put them on his nipples. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or put one on the guy and then the other one on him because that's mm-hmm. some real crazy shit. And it's such a tropey way of showing like oh, this character is bad is by doing the Reservoir Dogs thing and, like, having yeah. him with a guy who's tied to a chair and showing yeah. no empathy, you know? And being, like, glib. Which, again, I hated when they said that in the beginning. Like, this is how we're being told and not shown anything is literally um, they have uh, Billy Bob Thornton's character be like, I get it, you're glib. Instead of just like letting us 
figure out that he's glib. Like, why yeah. are you spelling everything out for us? It makes the movie so hard to watch. <laughs> so I, I think, like, there's a lot of showing, not telling, except for one instance at the end of the first act where we are shown that Sierra Six can be an emotional person or an empathetic person. Uh, when he does the babysitting job, the the pacemaker goes bad kind of situation. Mm-hmm. There we see like he does care for this young girl. Like he can do a little bit of it, and there was a little yeah. bit of character building there. What did you think of again the other cliche plot of thumb drive with info, kidnapping guy and niece, like kidnapping guy and young girl? Dude, it's so it's has to say so hero has to cliche. Say it. It's it's rush hour. It's fucking the nice guys. It's all it's last action hero. It's uh, all of these movies where you have a big beefy bro, and then like, how do we give this guy some humanity? Oh, yeah. We'll introduce. He a likes kid. a little girl. Yeah, we'll introduce a little girl that's gonna be like so clever and quirky and like likable, you know? That's gonna contrast exactly. With our big beefy bro. And that way we'll show that our big beefy bro's biggest muscle is his heart. <laughs> his biggest beef? Yeah. The beefiest of all the The beefiest the of all bro. Uh, the, the beefiest thing about this bro is his heart. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ugh. USDA and I will disagree with you because it was told to us, not shown, right before it. When he like bring <laughs> fucking this scene made me laugh they bring him into the office where um i forget her name it's not octavia spencer it's oh god what's her name the whatever. i'm gonna let you sit here for a second billy bob because... thornton and this black lady who plays the same <laughs> no, role her name it... margaret cahill yes margaret cahill but she plays the same role in all of her movies. She's just playing like Suicide Squad yeah. chick. Um, yeah. It, they're sitting there and they're like, yeah, uh, this little girl, she's been, she's she's had it bad. Her parents died and also she's got a pacemaker, you know, and then it cuts her. She's like, she's been dealt a bad hand. Like, just let me see it. Just let me fucking see it. Why are you telling this to me? And then it cuts to Ryan Gosling's character and he goes, He's like, what's this all have to do about me? He's <laughs> just like, I don't fucking care. Why are you telling me this shit for? And then they're like, well, you're going to be babysitting her. And he goes, you taught me how to uh, you taught me how to kill people, not care for them. And I'm like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> we already know this. It's so annoying. And then it cuts <laughs> to them doing the thing. Like her, like. Where'd you get those tattoos? Prison? And he's like, yeah, actually, I did. And you're like, okay, we're getting it. You're both glib. <laughs> you guys have um, so much in common. I will and this say. This movie loves the callbacks. Oh, with the with the hand sign and the you're oh, not dude, allowed there to were eat so gum. Many, and the, and, but they were like, to your point, like the gum, the, the sign, the like thing that he says at the end where he's going to protect her or whatever but like they 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 weren't impactful the first time you know <laughs> no. what I mean? so no you hear them at the end and you're just it's just uh, anyway the I will it's just say, like just because you're doing a callback doesn't mean that it's gonna like hit 
You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. it, 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 that doesn't mean that you have clever writing. It's like doing a Monopoly man. You know, it's yeah. like being like this guy looks like. Have I talked about the Monopoly man? Yeah. Okay. But let us know again for those that haven't listened to the Monopoly man. So the Monopoly man is a term that my sister and I use. We learned it from uh, Dan Harmon. Basically, it's like in a movie when they have a character who's like dressed like, for example, in Ace Ventura, they have a guy who's dressed like the Monopoly man. And he comes up and he's doing a whole Monopoly man shtick. And then Ace Ventura is like, well, if it isn't the Monopoly man, it's just like an it's like a lazy joke. It's basically like on the page it says this guy looks like the Monopoly man, and then the joke is that you're calling him the Monopoly man. You know, like come on, yeah. Have a, use a little nuance here. The best part of this movie continues to be the action scene so far. I am still watching this movie. Just drop my pen because I got so excited. Purely watching this movie because I'm so excited. Um, we had the firework battle. We had the whole like plane sequence, insane. Where yeah. they are for some reason. I love that in action movies, people are like, "Let's use guns and planes." So genius! I love it. So <laughs> the guy has to guns. literally be like, "Wait, put the gun down, bro." <laughs> yeah. So we're using guns and planes, and then. You know, sometimes it's just like, how can we escalate this situation so unrealistically, but so cool when the bodies are flying out of the plane and they're running into the engines, which make the engines explode, which takes the plane straight down to the ground. And then he's just like, he, for some reason, instead of keeping the parachute for himself, puts it on another guy. Yeah. Why did he him out of the plane? So that he so that he could jump out of the plane and grab it, kill the guy, and take and land with the dead guy in his parachute somewhere. Yeah. That was cool. Then in the memory of the young girl Claire, where he's protecting somehow bad guys. First of all, this guy doesn't have ADT or like Google Nest. He can't like have so security that's what they, cameras up or they, something. They say it and, in passing. They're like, oh, some idiot put his address up on the World Wide Web or some dumb shit like yeah, that. The and they're like, World Wide Web. Yeah. And they're like, I'm so we you. need you to watch the house. Like, what the fuck? Okay. Dude, just move. Also. Yeah, just take your kid out of there and put her in a safe house. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Come on. It would have been way cheaper to do that. Anyway, uh-huh. the dude comes in and he's fighting these guys silently while the girl is listening to music. Another callback, which sucked. But he's fighting <laughs> silently. And then yeah. he fucking kills a guy with a bowl. That was nuts. I was yeah. like, whoa. So I'm it was, it was cool. Uh, it was like, but see, it's, it's again, like you said, this movie's like a hodgepodge of other tropes and other things that we've seen in other movies like that part was just john wick yeah it was like oh yeah. he knows gun fu and uh, i can silently take these guys out no problem right um one thing i will say could have been cool in any other movie but in this movie just feels forced is how ryan gosling's character is never worried he's never like oh shit how am i gonna get out of this one never he's just like okay here we go here we go fighting again you know even in the plane there's never a point like in another movie uh 
you know, the gun would have gone off and then we would have at least gotten like a cut to like a medium shot of his reaction as he sees the hole in the hole being like, oh shit, you know, or something. But this guy is just like straight faced the whole time. He's just annoyed that he has to do it, you know, which could have been cool. But for some reason in this movie, it just falls like so flat, you know? I'm, I'm surprised they didn't give him a little more... Per- uh, I'm not surprised. But there's so much personality in Lloyd that they could have taken some and give... Because like, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't mesh, to your point. He's so stoic. And then his enemy is so uh, vibrant and mm-hmm. charismatic and annoying. Um it just like you wouldn't understand like there's no yeah it's like what what's going but on but like so in another like, movie that could have worked like they could have you know their their differences you know could have been was why they dislike each other so much but they were conflicting characteristics about six sometimes he chooses to be stoic and not talk other times he talks a lot you know like on the phone yeah. and shit like why is his character talking so goddamn much in those moments is what i was thinking i'm like i feel like he would just be quiet and like throw one quip in or two as lloyd talks instead of being like you know what i don't like you very much like that okay so we're just doing things just for the sake of being funny even though like they're uncharacteristic i was like all right whatever that kind of stuff you know i don't really like that too much um but it works in other movies with Ryan Gosling, like the nice guys, you know, the quips in that movie are all very in character because the characters are set up. Um, in this one, it kind of seemed like they wanted him to be both things, both witty and quiet, you know, and the which can work, like, but it, it yeah. didn't work in this one. And then we sort of get into like on the wittiness in sort of the middle of the movie where not much happens, to be honest. It's a lot of, I don't even remember, like it just sort of slowly crawls by. There's a lot of this and that kidnapping for questionable reasons. Not even sure why trying to find six let's deploy all of the henchmen in the world to get, Oh my God. And, and okay, hold on. I have to talk about that scene very quickly. Did you think when Chris Evans is saying like, I'm going to put a bounty on his head so big that he won't even trust his closest allies. And it's like cutting to um, all of these like groups of henchmen and they all have like a style. I was like, wait a minute. Is he going to have to fight each one of those fucking, I I thought that's where the movie was going to go. And then he only fights the one guy. Yeah. I thought it was going to do the same thing. I thought they were all going to come after him and he was going to have to fight through them differently. And I thought, yeah. like, through fighting them differently, I thought maybe he was going to have to find out where Chris Evans was or something. Like, he was going to have to piece yeah. that together group by group. Or, because, like, the other thing that was annoying throughout this whole movie, maybe I'll save it for the end. I'll save that for the end. No, like, no, no. Just say it. Just say it. I mean, you can't. Why was Chris Evans in this movie? He didn't do anything. Like, there was, there was two minutes of fighting between him and Ryan Gosling. Like, all Chris mm-hmm. Evans did in this movie was deploy bad guys, which Carmichael should have been doing. Carmichael should have been yeah, these you're guys right. the table like, and risking his, continuing to risk his career because he's trying to cover it up. So, I didn't really get that. But this, 
this did give us one of the cool, another cool part of the movie where Ryan Gosling is handcuffed to the fountain or like whatever, like in the middle of the city. Because that scene like, was really fucking bananas. Yeah. Wasn't that wild? But it got well, ruined for me because it was cool. Dude is handcuffed. It's a good concept, right? Dude is handcuffed. People are emerging from other shooting towards him, mm-hmm. and he has to get creative while being handcuffed to get out of that situation. Cool. A lot of gray smoke, similar to the pink smoke in the beginning. This one yeah. has gray smoke, but still really cool. But it gets a little ruined for me because of the stupid quips Lloyd makes the entire time, and it, it's, it keeps your cutting point, to him in like the Jason Bourne room. Yeah, and he's calling it out as it's happening, right? So it's like in your head, you're like, "Oh wow, like it, it's really hard to shoot this guy." And then Lloyd says, "How hard is it to shoot somebody?" Yeah, and then when he says like, that shit. Yeah, I was and like, then okay, so you know, break. I was like, so the movie knows that like this yeah. is going on way too long. <laughs> it's going on so long. They're like, maybe we should have the character be like, uh, "Hey, how hard is it to shoot this guy? He's fucking yeah. strapped to." And they have rockets. They have rockets yeah. that they decide to instead shoot cops with instead of just shooting it at that bench. Yeah, that was the other thing I didn't understand is why they were killing other people other than him. Like, they could have just converged on him and taken him out, but they decided yeah. they wanted to kill him. Oh, my God. And it's cutting to Jessica Henwick the whole time being like, what the fuck are we doing? Because, yeah, yeah you've now taken out, like, the entire police squad of this small European city. You yeah. just fucking yeah. annihilated them. Also, do those guys ca- do those guys carry guns? What guys? Like European cops? No, I didn't think so no. either. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, like just guns the, are just too the prevalent. Guns like guns are an American thing, and they're not in Thailand. <laughs> like a person can't buy a gun in Thailand. Just these guns right here, baby. Yeah, baby. Um, These are the two biggest muscles I've got. (laughs) Um, The the other thing that bothered me were, like, these quips. Obviously, the quips that are being, making fun of the situation, but also the ones that sort of break the fourth wall. Because those felt forced as well. So, in the same... When did they do that? They did it a few times. They made a Captain America joke. Um, They made, like, an ass joke. And then oh, it's so just like the they, references, yeah. The ref, like, okay. yeah. And then they made a joke in the same scene where Ryan Gosling's like running around, where Lloyd says 10, 10 million to the first person to pull a bullet in this Ken doll's brain. Yeah, that and he's right gonna there, be Ken. Baby. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I that's thought when right. you said break the fourth wall, you meant like they had Ryan Gosling be like, "How am I gonna get out of this one?" You know, like talking oh, to the. All right. Well, like not directly, but like they make references that make it like, oh, ha 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 ha, like. Is this, are we in a, you know, like it completely, they're like, we get it. We get it. World building that might be happening in this movie or in the series is sort of like, oh, so we're in a Ken doll universe. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was just, it it ruined it for me. You know what? um, I just kept thinking like, man, so like gone other days of Jackie Chan level action movies. For now, they're gone. I mean, everything, like, Jackie Chan is too once. old. He's like a China. He's a China stan. Um, like he loves the Chinese government. It's wild. But 
Like he's he's just too old. We're never gonna have another movie with like that kind of action. Maybe but the, the Jackie Chan stunt team still exists. Why aren't we paying them a bunch of money to train up our fucking a- our, our actors to fight? You know. I think everything, everywhere, all at once was sort of in the Jackie Chan style, like with the different, like uh, yeah. you know, the fanny pack, the fingers. The you know, there were scenes in Shang Chi that were good too. Yeah, um, not that third act fight scene, but like the tr- the car. I mean, the bus scene. I was like, I just want to see shit like that. You know, like long cuts, not like. There's, dude, so I was thinking about this in this movie. After that, um, after that initial firework scene, I was thinking like, oh my god, this is so choppy. But it it then cuts to Anna de Armas, like they're taking all the stuff off the guy's body. And I was yeah. like, this is a perfect example of there being an unnecessary amount of shots. It seems like every time they take something else out, it's a new shot. They're like, bam, 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 bam. I'm like, why can't we just... Just keep the camera rolling for more than fucking a second and a half. Because it may, it also makes the audience think that the objects they're pulling out of that guy's dead body are important, which none of them were. Um, yeah, exactly. But so would like I don't know. I'm just getting too caught up in the in the cinematography, I guess. But well, let's get into what the you would think is going to have the most cinematography and like just going to be chef's kiss like when we get into the third act of this movie that third which is act essentially fight. an explosion is the entire third act like what how yeah. did you feel about this did it kind of did it kind of make amends on the rest of the movie just with everything do you mean when um when uh six like enters the compound and uh, yeah before we even get there before we even get there heading into the the sort of last 45 minutes, 30, 45 minutes of the movie, we, you know, the plot is still the same. Uh, flash drive at this point, I think is taken by like Lloyd has flash drive. Lloyd has everything. He has all the leverage. So it's up to our hero now to break him down, take him down in any way he can. Do we at this point feel that we know why any of the characters are doing what they're doing. And um, do we have any understanding, not just why the characters are doing what they're doing, but why it's even important. So what are the characters? Uh, Denny, I mean, Reggie, whatever that guy's name, Denny Carmichael, Carmichael his, his whole goal is, you know, get the contents from that flash drive back. So that I can, you know, not be outed as, like, this fucking war criminal. Um, Wouldn't he just want them destroyed? That was my thing. Yeah. Like, destroy that fucking thing. Lloyd, do you have it? Destroy that shit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyway. So that, right? Jessica Henwick's goal is stop Denny. That's it. Um, Anna de Armas' goal is... Uh, stop Denny because I want to continue my career in the CIA, which doesn't seem like a fun job, anyways. Um, Ryan Gosling's goal six is is to save Fitz and his niece, and yeah, Fitz and Fitz's niece, right? 
Fitz is I just guess. Like, not do die. We know, like why? Yeah. And the nieces is also not die. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems do like we know why he wants to save no, the niece like, because we had the whole we had the whole bonding. He's like, I care uh, about. It her. just feels like the skin in the game is very light to be doing everything that's happening here. Anyway, well, so because we get the into rest it. of the plot is so cliche, and like right. you don't give a fuck about you know bad government guy trying to like stop his secrets from getting out. Also, it's like we we know the government's bad. <laughs> we don't need another movie where the government's the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, like we, it's already happening every day when you turn on the news yeah, we get and listen it. to the birds. We get it. And like, it's not that the government's bad, it's the cliche, oh, the government guy is using his power to do his own stuff. It's not even that diabolical. Well, he's like, said, he's like doing killings and shit. Yeah, but you know. People die. Yeah, you know, it's just American imperialism. But it's not. Who cares? But it doesn't seem like he's. There's no like stakes to his killing. Like we're not really explaining. Like, oh, well, why are you killing people? There's no like. We're just told he's done it. He's just a dirty politician. He just killed people. All right. Mm -hmm. Cool. No problem. But it's not like he's not trying to run for president. He's not trying to like start a world war. True. He probably will. He's not trying to start some kind of like world war over anything. He's not like. It's just sort of like, he's just doing his thing, you know? Shout out to the guy. But then, also, like, Jessica Henwick's character is just as bad. Like, at the end of the movie, she kills that guy. She shoots him. Or she kills Lloyd or whatever. Yeah. Because she wants to further gain her own, like, she wants to, yeah, she wants her own benefit. Yeah, she was, she was the, the third wheel. Right. She was the yeah. third wheel. Because mm-hmm. Denny so, doesn't die, right? Uh, Lloyd dies. Yeah. So we get into my. So we get into this last action sequence again. Tons of blowing up. Super cool. Uh, Lots of things happening. Lots of smoke. More smoke. This is like a thicker gray smoke in in this one. Uh, Then they hit the maze, which is crazy and very annoying because you think that. Oh my God. A fucking maze maze. shows up. I was like, are you fucking serious? A maze? Yeah. Out of nowhere, a maze. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I thought maybe the maze was like a commentary on just the movie as a whole. You know, it's got a lot of beautiful, lost sort of these shrubberies that are beautiful, well sort of manicured, well trimmed. You know, yeah. Like the action scenes, or like you could call the actors, right? Like the things to distract you, and then. You know, you're just kind of trying to find your way until you, you bump into a couple dead ends, you hit a couple bushes, and you're just happy to make it out of there alive, to be honest. For real. It's, it is an apt metaphor, yeah. This is also the second time I got Harry, like I thought about Harry Potter during this movie. What um, was the first? When he jumps off the plane, it looks to me like that scene when Harry and Voldemort are like fighting and flying around. And their heads go together. The scene where Harry jumps out of a plane. I was trying to run my head. (laughs) No, it's the scene where Harry jumps off a building with fucking Voldemort in the last movie. (laughs) Because why? Why did they do that? And then they're flying around fucking Hogwarts, and their heads get poured together. Like ah! (laughs) I always I hate that fucking scene. That scene is so (laughs) stupid. He's like, well, then you're coming with me, and he grabs Voldemort, and then they just. 
pop the clip. It's so stupid. It is. But that's what it looked like. It, it looked, looked so cartoony. I was like, when they jump off the plane, I was like, ugh, this is like some bad CG. So we finally, like, we kind of, in the in the rundown, we talked how this movie ends. There's no reason to recap it. But, like, we get to the end of this movie. Lloyd is dead. Carmichael is exonerated. Not sure how or why for being whatever. Um, we get to the end. How are you feeling? What are your what is sort of your your final thoughts? Um, I was so this is actually how I felt. I basically got to the end of this movie. I turned on my Apple T. I went to like my Apple TV app and I rented the Nice Guys. Like literally immediately after watching this, and I turned that shit on, and I was like, so like, I wanted to see a good movie. <laughs> this movie made me want to watch a movie that's good. And includes and, and and like includes that witty banter, but it works. And, and it includes broken characters with actual like uh, dramatic motivation. Um, so that's what I did. I I, I I turn around and I watch the nice guys because Ryan Gosling is so fucking good in that movie. He's doing almost the exact same thing here, except in the nice guys, his character is not good at fighting at all. It's the opposite. Um, and, and I loved, I, and I had a fucking great time with that movie. <laughs> so I literally immediately forgot about this movie. I had to watch it again last night to prep for this podcast because it is so forgettable. Um, and it's, it's I, I think it's barely a movie. It's basically a fucking series of action sequences with stuff in the middle stitched together. You know, it felt like, have you ever like, have you, do you follow any of those like YouTube corridor digital channels or like stuff where these VFX artists are like, oh, uh, we're testing out this new VFX, so we just created a short, you know? And like they're not really narratively driven. They're more like, look at how this cool thing that we can do now. That's what this movie felt like. <laughs> it felt like it was like, look at this cool thing that we can put on camera. And then like all the other stuff doesn't really matter, which is basically what's wrong with this movie it's a roundabout way of saying that like i think this movie has no soul it's the cast is good but there's no the dialogue is all by the book um gosling is a great character actor and it's nice to see chris evans in a role that isn't the same thing you know and i was reminded of like what his career was like before the mcu where he was like a character actor and was had comedic chops and stuff like in knives out um even though that's post mcu but here all these characters all these actors are playing tropes they're not playing actual characters with depth there's no depth to jessica henwick's character there's no depth to denny carmichael there's no depth to even six like it's basically like the the directors were the directors were like okay gosling you're the witty apathetic secret agent evans you're the sociopathic fun-loving villain and all you guys are the government stooges and oh shit anna de armas i forgot you were here um let's make you lady sidekick agent and there you go we got a movie we'll just put a bunch of fun action sequences in between and what you get is a forgettable romp that's just as forgettable as what you had for lunch two wednesdays ago you know like i get the feeling that the russos don't know what to do if they don't have an ensemble cast with developed characters all with 
already developed characters to juggle. It's like they get caught up in their own, you know, uh, style and there's no depth to the style, you know, which is unfortunate. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree, especially the point of having no soul um, in many ways, right? Like the characters really have nothing to them and the Russo brothers seemingly have sold their soul to the money gods of Hollywood. So um, yeah. to, to me, this movie felt like one of those Bud, BuzzFeed quizzes that like generates you like from like just randomly selecting different parts of a personality or parts of a person, you know, oh or God, like yeah. how Dr. Frankenstein uh, made the monster, like just taking different bits of people or animals or whatever. It just sort of felt like this movie... <laughs> was taking popular pieces of different action movies to try and create this huge monster movie that would impress every demographic of person that watches movie ever. So like it had the, the Sierra six was like the Jason Bourne. It was like the, the, the machine to kill. Mm -hmm. Right. And even the Jason Bourne government bad guy, like the government angle, it had Lloyd who was the wacky charismatic James Bond, a uh, bad guy psycho killer kind of thing. Yeah. It had the gritty John Wick action. It like it had all of these different things that we we mentioned before like going through the movie that are like in the movie itself and on paper it sounds great. But I think where the movie fell short was finding a cohesive way for all of these elements to connect. Like there's no chemistry between the actors. There's no chemistry in the plot. The plot is so simple, but it's so confusing at the same time. It's it, it, like in their attempt to try and drive some emotional connectedness, it ends up feeling like it's 30 minutes too long and like out of place. So the action sequences are great, but they sometimes fall flat because there's an incessant need to like create those su- superhero puns, right? Like the nonstop, yeah. like we have to, oh, every time there's a punch or every time someone dies, we have to say something like, and it takes away from the greediness that this movie could have been or maybe was trying to accomplish. Um, there seemed to be like, I don't know what it was. It seemed to be like a resistance to going all in on anything that makes this movie a movie other than the $200 million budget. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see what the critics and audience have to say. Let's do it. John, I feel like right here we need another musical cue. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll drop it this one or the next one. Who knows? If you just heard a beat, we just added it in later. So, congrats on that. <laughs> Something and tells then, me we're gonna lean critics and audiences. Critics. On I this one. I think we probably will lean a little bit more towards the uh, critics than the audience. But uh, let's see. Let's see. Here we go. First first critic review here um, comes from Film Spotting. The most glam dad enjoys while folding laundry movie ever. That one made me laugh because it reminded me of the I, time that, yeah. No, go ahead. You wa- you were watching some kind of movie. It was one of our other movies. I can't. I remember. believe it was Red Notice. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was gonna I'm say. I Netflix think Red special. Notice might be the most gl- uh, glam dad enjoys while folding laundry movie ever. I think it's better than this one, in that in that sense. I think Red Notice was definitely better than this one. Um, 
Our second one here comes from rogerdeaver.com. Everything here feels so pragmatically dull. It's a silly piece of popcorn entertainment that too often forgets that this kind of venture needs to be fun. Yes, dude. But Austin, but it doesn't. It can you can drive up the fun if you just include like dramatic stakes and character development. <laughs> like, it'd be a lot more, more fun to see these characters in this if yeah. we gave a fuck about who the characters were. Yeah, or add more action, like. Forget more action, John? Well, dude, like, if you're going to spend $200 million, like, you can... Those were cool action sequences, but just make more. Because it did, the plot didn't matter, so just give us more of the cool stuff, you know? Um, here's another one from Slant. The Gray Man is a noisy, flashy spectacle that piles cliches atop ludicrous plotting and sprinkles it all in with half-funny clips. Which is pretty much... Exactly what we said um, the entire time. It feels like these critic reviews, as I was going through them overall, feels like the critics kind of panned the movie um, on the Rotten Tomatoes for similar reasons as us. It was a movie that was cliche, lacked charisma, despite its cast, left us with more questions than answers. The biggest question is mostly, uh, where'd the $200 million go? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love that you had that written there. We actually we said that like first thing in the first yeah. thing we say yeah. about movie talk. Exactly, exactly. So those are kind of the critics, you know, what whatever they think, which is this time we we may agree with them. So let's get into the audience, which is great. Um, our first one here from Beth, shout out Beth, gave this one a five star ranking. Lots of action and suspense. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is great. Smooth operator. Chris Pine, hilarious. <laughs> Good on you, Beth. I love you, Beth. You think that's that's definitely on purpose? No, I think Beth is living life. You know, she's 85. She's happy to be back in a movie theater. And she went to go see because she <laughs> loves Ryan Reynolds. He's so goofy and funny. And Chris Pine, you know, handsome, remembers from Star Trek. She just, like, loves seeing these guys and, and had a great time these are her favorite actors uh ryan they Reynolds are. and chris pine they are Definitely. and i think with maybe they're making a point they could be making a point that the actors in this movie are so like useless that you could replace them with any other actor <laughs> and it would probably be the same movie it'd probably be exactly um, the same movie uh, here's a question for you, John, and, you know, yeah. right off the noggin. If you wanted to replace any of the actors in this movie, who would you want to see in those roles? The Rock and Vin Diesel, <laughs> probably. I thought the same thing! <laughs> Make Chris Evans' character The Rock. No, I was thinking vice versa. I, I was thinking Vin Diesel would be... Oh, no, you're right, because of the quippy and yeah, it has to be The Rock. Vin Diesel has to be. I, and, and, like, The Rock, yeah. as a secret agent, makes absolutely no fucking sense because he is the largest man in every room and would immediately give himself away. Well, I mean, Chris Evans is pretty jack in this movie as well. But and he's, then, like, you know what? white guy. Letty. Letty could be uh, Danny. Anna de Armas? Yeah, yeah, Letty could do that. And then, uh, you know, I think the, what's his name? Mr. Anybody? Mr. Nobody? 
would be uh-huh. uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, Kurt Russell? That would yeah, be fucking be awesome, Thornton. actually. I, I would like yeah. that a lot. And then the little kid could be uh, Brian Jr. BJ. Oh, shit. Now we have Fast and the Furious. We're, just, we're literally making another Fast and Furious movie. Um, Is that a bad one? I was thinking the little kid could be Andre Rice, <laughs> but that's just the nice guys. <laughs> then it would just be yeah. another of the nice guys. God, that movie's so fucking good. Ugh. If you guys take anything from this podcast about The Gray Man, it's go watch The Nice Guys. <laughs> When's the last time you guys watched this movie? It's fantastic. Go watch it. Go watch it. I remember it being okay when I watched it. Uh, I'm telling next you, John, I will pay for you to watch it. I will send you five four ninety nine, whatever it costs to rent you. it. Just, just the, just the ticket price. Just admission. No? This next one here from Terry. Right, how much do you want? A <laughs> hundred. A hundred? Per hour. You're paying for my time. I'm worth more than four ninety nine for two hours. Two dollars an hour? Are you kidding me? It's extremely undervalued. Um, Welcome to America. Four stars from Tara. It had a good story, but a lot of shooting and killing. I get that. Probably could have been five stars, but she probably knocked it down, or they probably knocked it down to four stars because of the shooting and the killing, which yeah. can be misleading because I didn't go into this thinking it was going to be an action movie with a lot of shooting and killings. Uh, I, I was that. into the. Uh, that's kind of the draw for me. <laughs> this next one, four <laughs> stars, also uh, by Lisa. It was an entertaining movie, lots of guns and blood, but no cuss words. A little. Over the top at times, but still entertaining. Enjoyed Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling's characters. Well done. I get well that. Done. Not They're enough like, cuss words. Lisa's giving it a little. Yeah. Very like, nice. Yeah, it's all right. They didn't say nice. fuck enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's here's another one. Do you think that's what knocks it down? A star? I yeah, I think so. Would have been a lot better if they said fuck. Yeah. Get that motherfucker. Um, yeah. this next one here. Can anybody Anderson. shoot a fucking gun? Three stars. Um, as always, a great performance by Ryan Gosling as a prison inmate approached by the CIA to do for them what he does best. Assassinations. He does. Ryan Gosling really knows how to kill someone. Um, nice to see Ryan Gosling on the big screen again. And before he put on his pink panties to appear in Ken and Barbie. What? Unfortunately... We didn't stay long because there was not only such a surge of violence, but they somehow increased the sound during these violent surges and clobbered our eardrums. It was unbearable and we had to leave. Ryan, too bad you put your great acting skills to the wrong movie and your fans had to leave to go see Elvis instead. Now that would have been a great movie for you. Love you, Ryan. What? Wait a minute, hold on. I love, so they, I love everything about this review. The review the itself theater? is five stars, even though they gave the movie three stars. But they went they to go see this, this in the, the theater. Yeah. And they were like, nah, nah, nah. I'm out of here. There's so much more before that, though. The fact that they're writing this review to Ryan Gosling as if Ryan Gosling goes on Rotten Tomatoes to read reviews of movies that he's in. I you don't know he doesn't do that. I just love that that someone put that out there. The other 
is that I love that they think Ryan Gosling kills people as part of his regular. That's what he does best. He does what he does best. Yeah, I mean, that is what he does best. Um, I love that this person didn't understand that this was going to be an action movie and maybe has never been to any kind of movie that has crescendos ever in a movie theater uh, because they were surprised that the action sequences were loud. Um, love that. Um, and then that's I why they left, they left that's this why movie they left. to go see Elvis. Uh-huh. That's why they Which, left. They were like, this movie's too loud. Fuck this. Let's go see Elvis. Which is probably very quiet. I'm sure that's a very yeah. quiet movie. Right? Yeah. Boz Lerman definitely knows how to keep it nice and nice and quiet. Love you, Ryan. All right. And the <laughs> last one here um, from Elijah gave it half a star. Uh, could have been good if they toned down the corny dialogue. The Russo brothers can't help themselves. You either lean into a serious action movie or you make it really silly and have fun with it. This in-between nonsense has to stop. Felt like a 007 movie written by Aaron Sorkin's dumb brother, Derek Sorkin. (laughs) Boom, roasted. I like that he went out of his way to roast Aaron Sorkin. Derek Sorkin. Yeah, why are you roasting Aaron Sorkin? Over. That's hilarious. So Um, it it seemed like on the audience side, the movie probably rated high on the RTs uh, because of a few things. Probably familiarity with the Russo brothers and the actors involved was a huge one, right? Of like course. People are just going to go because of that and give it a high rating because of that. The hotness of the Gosling brother, or the got the hotness the of the Gosling brothers. <laughs> uh, Did you know the, the that there's twin? actually two Goslings and they don't they can't work a full day, so they actually switch them out during the shoots i was gonna say that the twins he's packing in his pants there um yeah the, the hot of the guys um and uh, chris evans there was quite a few of those and um i guess just the infatuation of americans maybe just americans maybe just men um with simplicity flashing lights and loud noises of action movies we are a simple people both we are us Americans and men. All right, let's uh, let's get into the real ranking. So as I mentioned, the real ranking. Our uh, we already gave our instant reactions. So our real ranking here: zero out of a hundred for the real critics. Uh, Zero being, I guess, never should have been made or will never get made. So that girl probably would get a zero on uh, the real the real rating because uh, no one will ever get to see it. But it was made. Oh, I guess that is. That is the, uh, so the, that, the z- example for zero. Holy shit, you was, found it. That oh is my God. zero. Uh, and the hundred would be like for the greatest movie of all time uh, that we, we would consider to be the greatest movie of all time. So... With that, how would you rank this movie, zero to one? All right, John. Uh, my ranking would be um, I'm going to give this a 45 out of 100, John. Spot on with the critics. Critics oh, gave really? this a 45. Audience 91. Wow, 45 aggregate. Okay. 
And I'm also a 45. This movie wow. sucked. This movie <laughs> sucked. I'm so <laughs> bummed that this movie sucked, dude. Well, we'll get another one. So maybe, uh, maybe the second one will be better. What would you want to see in the sequel for this kind of a movie? Um, like, is there anything that would elevate this for you? Yeah, a plot. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I would like to see a plot. I'd like to see maybe, because um, they're probably going to make a sequel, right? Like, no, they're definitely are. making a sequel, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to see, so focus on this guy's backstory, on Six's backstory. Um, the effect that being in the life for 18 years has had on him, you know, being alone. And I think we should introduce a buddy, make it a buddy film, him and some other guy. And they're two very different people, but together, you know, they find a found family. That's what I want to see. That's what I would write in this movie. I like that. I like Thanks, that. I agree. I agree. And, um, you know what I don't want to see in a sequel is a love interest. Don't want it. Not here for it. Um, I don't want to see any kind of government contract happening. Uh, uh, yeah. I want it Interesting to be, though, I, this movie did not have a kiss. I didn't even think about it. Which that. is great. There's no yeah. reason, like, just because a woman is in a movie and in this movie uh, being constantly berated and demeaned by uh, things like uh, calling them brats, telling them that they should go sit in the corner. Um, <laughs> there was another well, That's line, where women belong, um, John, if you ask me. I would like to just save you at some point, I said um, to a woman. I know, Murph. I couldn't believe it either. And then the last one uh, that was said to one of the women in this movie is, it's dangerous for you to start thinking for yourself. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that, guys. But so, if he doesn't like misogyny, you know. Yeah, he's an anti. He barks at the at the sound of misogyny. So, um, <laughs> I think if you know, in the sequel, maybe maybe we just get better developed characters in a buddy action film. I love it. I would like that. I would like that. But um, let us know what you guys thought of the Gray Man. What do you guys want to see in a sequel? Because this is probably undoubtedly getting one. Uh, let us know on our socials at EARC Pod. You can catch me at Hoser Loser, at John B. Wolf or John. And be sure to check out all of our other episodes where we get your podcasts. On the next episode, we will be sticking with Hot Blockbuster Summers and talking about the new Brad Pitt movie, Bullet Train, which is out in theaters now. Um, you guys should go watch it so you can follow along on the next one with us. Uh, thank you to all of you guys that listen and reach out on the socials. My name's Jose Garcia Chow, here with John Wolf at Jose Luzon, and, and Murphy. Wolf. And with Murphy, our um, misogyny alarm. Uh, today, we sided with the critics, but remember that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because everyone's a everyone's real critic, including real Murphy. Critic. Close this out, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy, that was weird.